Welcome listeners to the Sequoia Breeze podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio. Thanks for coming back to join us as we finish the conversation that gives us a glimpse into homeschooling with Carrie Carlson, TK8 Program Administrator with Sequoia Grove. Last time, Carrie told us about homeschooling her two children and the unique ways that they approached education. We touched on some misconceptions that can surround homeschooling, and today we will dive into some of the benefits that come with an out-of-the-box education. I've really gleaned a lot from Carrie opening the door to her home and letting us in to get a glimpse of how their family life ebbed and flowed with school, with education, with learning, and all of the things that she studied and learned along her journey. So join with me as we listen back in to the conversation that Carrie Carlson and I were able to have together. So what are some of the best benefits that you saw with your family? So I think first and foremost, for us, it was relationships. I think that something that I learned even from when my son was, as he puts it, dropping out of kindergarten, (laughs) (laughs) when he was rolling around on the floor, I thought if I force him because I'm a, I'm bigger, I could, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever punishments or bribes or whatever, find a way to coerce him into sitting here and paying attention. Mm -hmm. Was I willing to do that? Was that going to affect our relationship? And that was really big for me is that I would have these, a strong family relationship. And so to me, cuddling on a couch, the picture of that in my head where we're reading a story together sounds so much more fun than sitting more in front of my son with a whiteboard saying, Hey, you must learn these letters and sounds Mm -hmm. and, So to me, it was all about relationships and that nothing in this world that I thought or somebody else thought was important for my child to learn at whatever age was worth me sacrificing a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. There was no math problem Mm -hmm. that was worth my son not talking to me Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And then my husband worked retail. So he worked a lot of evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. So our time together was very different than your traditional Mm. family. We didn't have, he didn't have a nine to five job Monday through Friday. So the idea that we had this alternative family structure, not structure, but alternative family rhythm. Yes. That's a great word to it. It was like we had to find time together. I, well, you keep using the word intention a lot. And I, I really do like that because we were very intentional and purposeful about our time together. I think because it was not traditional. Mm-hmm. If your kids had been in school, they wouldn't have seen dad very often. Exactly. And so what were we going to do on a Tuesday or a Thursday? We would go to the beach or we would go mm-hmm. to the park and play that way, or we would go on a family hike. Mm-hmm. And so that life that found us, I think suited that mm-hmm. was because we, we blended life and learning mm-hmm. through everything. So I could see that being really handy for a firefighting family or dad who travels a lot or, you know, lots of different, maybe even a parent who's trying to homeschool and work full time that they could be able to do things on a different rhythm than perhaps traditional school styles would allow. Which is my best friend. Her husband's a police officer. Mm -hmm. 
And that's how we became really good friends, too, because we were the only two people that really knew each other that we could find within our circle that whose husbands worked weekends. Okay. And that was really protected family time for a lot of other families, which I fully respect. Mm-hmm. But we needed an outlet, and that was right. our outlet. So our we weekended together. <laughs> we weekend schooled or whatever. So that's when we spent a lot of our time okay. together because of that. Mm-hmm. And then it, I have transitioned, so I do work full time. Mm-hmm. And my kids are older. Like I said, they're 15 and 18. And that has served us very, very well because I, a lot of our learning time is after hours, on the weekend still, early morning still. Mm-hmm. And then I think going back to other benefits, my son at age five was already showing signs of depression and anxiety. Mm. And so the mental health benefits for him And I think giving him permission to learn by pursuing his passions and interests, by learning what he wanted to learn about and showing him that that was important Mm -hmm. really helped him. I, I get really sad when I hear like a five or a six year old child being told you can learn about that after you do this, like all I want to learn about is spaceships. Mm-hmm. Well, we can learn about spaceships after you do this, mm-hmm. but spaceships is the most important thing mm-hmm. to that six-year-old right now. Mm-hmm. It's an important thought to think about to to reevaluate priorities based on our kids' interests and and where their heart is. Absolutely. Another thing, another benefit, but the idea that learning does happen everywhere. We weren't confined to our kitchen table mm-hmm. and we weren't confined to on day one, you need to be here in the book. And on day two, you need to be here in the book. Again, that's somebody else's prescription for what is best for your child. And I can't stress enough to any mother who's doing this, whether you're a teacher or have that background or not, that you know what is best for Mm -hmm. your child or your children Mm -hmm. and so giving us that time together we would spend time with grandparents and family in ways that other people can't because they are in school all day we vacationed with my parents in October because we could take school Mm -hmm. anywhere Mm -hmm. and they spent ample hours baking with grandma or gardening with grandpa. So when you asked me about American history, I would so much prefer that my child spent hours with their grandmother hearing her stories that is American history. (laughs) And I think they're going to have those memories for a lot longer than what they would have read in that textbook that for that day. Mm -hmm. How did you ensure that your kids developed good self-discipline in finishing a project, in following through on work. I ask this because I have no doubt that this was a lesson you made sure they knew, but that they, when it was time to join a Japanese class, that your daughter didn't change her mind two weeks later and say, nope, I'm not interested in that anymore. How did you build that life skill or character trait into your kids through this process? 
That's a really good question. We were a single income family, so we had to be really careful and cautious about where Mm -hmm. our money went. And so doing all the things, horseback riding, dance lessons, all of that was not something that we could really offer to our kids. So Mm -hmm. we had to be very intentional, again, Mm -hmm. about choosing. We made sure our kids asked almost like two or three times before we would go down that road. Mm-hmm. And so they would say, oh, I want to do horse lessons. Oh, okay, well, that sounds really fun. Yeah, let's think about that. A couple weeks later, if my daughter asked again, hey, I really want to do horse lessons, that dings in my mind. Okay, this is the second time mm-hmm. she's asked. Maybe that's something I should look into. Mm-hmm. So, and help her, you know, see mm-hmm. if that's something she wants to do. We also believe in a trial period. Mm-hmm. So dance lessons or because my daughter, my daughter did almost everything. She was, was and is extremely social, liked to try everything. And we did have those discussions where you would do something for a season, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, if we're signing you up for this, it's this much money, right? And you do have to commit. There's this idea, Blake Bowles talks about it in his book, um, the art of self-directed learning. There's this idea of what he refers to as educational consent. And I think that's where this comes into play is that you have these discussions with your kids where you include them in that process and you do explain to them. And you, so then they have to agree to those terms before you'll move through with offering that or allowing them to do that. Mm -hmm. Next, Carrie and I moved into a conversation about what are some pitfalls to watch out for if you are trying to walk a path of a more unique or non-traditional approach to education. The best advice, or I don't know if you're even asking for advice, but the best (laughs) thing I can say is be confident in the choice that you're making. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest pitfalls is playing that comparison game. Mm. But I think that's a pitfall in all of parenting. So you have to pull yourself out of that whole idea of he's doing A, B, and C. Oh, gosh, my kid's not measuring up. Or mm-hmm. because everybody's at different stages and different mm-hmm. has different tra- trajectories, different pathways. Mm-hmm. So definitely eliminate the comparison game. And then you have to revisit the why. Why did you choose homeschooling? Why did you choose to follow your child's lead or allow them that opportunity to make more of those educational choices? Why is that the path you chose? And when I revisit the why, when I step back any time that I get nervous or, for lack of a better word, freak out about where we're at right now at this minute, this is where my husband comes into play. He's (laughs) absolutely amazing at saying, but why? did we do this? Mm-hmm. And then I can, he usually talks me off a ledge and calm down and, and we move forward. Another pitfall. Oh, this is a really good one. So you really do need to work on getting out of your head. The idea of every single minute of every single second needs to be or look like learning. So one of the things that I've noticed is, is you, let's say you take your kids on a hike and 
you point out every single educational thing along the way. Uh-huh. Every bird, every plant, every slope, every. <laughs> and that, mm-hmm. I think, is just something to be mm-hmm. be cautious of. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is you don't have to turn every single bug into an entomology lesson. Mm-hmm. Right. It can just be, oh, this is a cool bug. Oh, my gosh. Let's go home and, you know, look that up later. But we don't have to stop and have like a mini lecture about mm-hmm you know, the life cycle of a bug right then and there. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it for what it is right then and there. Downtime is necessary. Mm-hmm. Kids are taking in so much of the world all the time. And and so they need time to slow down and process that. So if your kid is laying on the couch for an hour and it looks like they're doing nothing, don't assume that learning or something is not happening. Maybe they're just thinking. Maybe they're coming up with the next great idea. Don't be so quick to fill every minute. And that's a lesson that I still have to learn. Like, I only speak for this knowing that I make these mistakes still all the time. Mm-hmm. I'll walk in and my son will have his AirPods in and I won't see that. And he'll be just like sitting on the couch or something. And I'll, what are you doing? You're doing nothing. He's like, reading a book. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So don't assume Mm -hmm. and don't feel like it's not your responsibility to fill every waking moment with some type of Mm -hmm. educational opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite things to think about in this case is like that flower analogy So the downtime is when those roots are growing strong, Mm. right? And the evidence of any type of learning or growth is usually delayed. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it's not long lasting unless we have a strong foundation. When you transplant a plant, it doesn't do anything for a while until it's had a chance to really develop that root system. And then it can start worrying about flowers and production and, Exactly. And so I think a lot of that downtime or that what we see as they're not doing anything is when those roots are really, really mm-hmm. grabbing strong. And mm-hmm. I've seen that even with my kids, whether it's a, a new concept or with memorization, that they'll struggle with it one day and then the next day and you think, ah, we, we just really aren't getting this. But then the next day it seems to have almost clicked into place because it's just sat and stewed and the next day they're fresh and they got more than I thought they did. <laughs> Absolutely. Sleep is huge, right? Like, Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just letting it process while you're sleeping. After listening to Carrie talk about all the ways that she had been intentional in training up her kids, I wondered what factors need to be in place to make a non-traditional child-led education successful, but not feel overwhelming in all of its vast open options. Like to me, and and this might be where we differ f- philosophically. Just like part of this conversation is, I don't. My job is not to educate my child. That's their job. Their job as a human is to educate. Like I cannot. You can't. You can't do that to somebody. You can't. So your job is to prevent present the opportunity. It's their own responsibility to pick it up. I I believe that. Like I I do. Okay. I I feel like I think homeschoolers are held to a higher standard. Right. 
I, I do feel that way. Like we are held to a higher standard than our public school mm-hmm. counterparts. Mm-hmm. There's this assumption that because a student or because a person goes through kindergarten through 12th grade in our public school system, that there's no gaps Hmm. that they learned everything that they were supposed to. There's an assumption that they passed their algebra class or better yet, they probably passed it because they have their high school diploma, but that they understood it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's part of the challenge that we have or part of the so I think when you're unschooling, it's even oh, a higher standard now because, how, right? Because everybody's looking to see if this is a legitimate thing you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because and it's so outside the box. It is outside the box. And, and so nobody asks a parent that has a student enrolled in algebra at the local high school, how do you make sure your student's understanding algebra? Mm. Nobody asks that parent that no. question. How do you know your student just learned algebra? That's fair. So I think when your students are younger, the factors that need to be present, I I love what you've, you've put a word into my head throughout this whole thing that I really love is you have to be intentional Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily intentional about schooling. It's intentional about living a rich educated life. Mm -hmm. It's intentional about, I'm going to cook with my children. I'm going to talk with them while we're doing this because that's where the learning is happening when they're five and six and seven. Mm -hmm. I'm going to intentionally play this Candyland game for the 800th time, (laughs) but because there's learning happening and because my child just asked me to do that and I'm going to be available to them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be present when we go to the zoo I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to not scroll on Facebook right now because when my child asks me a question about that animal in the cage, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about it or we're going to read that plaque together. Mm -hmm. So when they're little, that is how I Mm -hmm. approached life and learning. So the main factor is simply the intentional presence of a parent. For me, I think that's a really good way to sum sum that up. Mm-hmm. Now, as my kids grew older, that turned into inviting them into the process. How do you want to approach this subject? Because now the stakes are a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. We are enrolled in a charter school and the charter school is requiring work samples. And mm-hmm. we have committed to that because... As a family, we follow through on our commitments. Mm -hmm. The school is requiring state testing. And as a family, we've committed to that. And again, we follow through on our commitments Mm -hmm. because my job is to raise good humans Mm -hmm. and good people that do that. But how you learn history or what you learn about in history, in my opinion, was kind of up, was definitely up to my child and they had to be invited Mm. into that process. So from the time we joined the charter and were offered this instructional funding, it was very, very intentional at that point, but we included our kids in that process. Mm-hmm. How do you want to spend your funding? Where do you want to see this going? And hey, 
you're getting this funding, so you star test mm-hmm. and there's no arguments. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose not to do that and you can we can file a private school affidavit, which we had done before. Mm-hmm. But now maybe you don't get to do that third class at that local vendor because we don't have the resources mm-hmm. to be able to do that. You can choose one or two classes because mm-hmm. that's what we can pay for. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. So then in high school, and I will be very honest here, in when my son transitioned from eighth grade to ninth grade, we were like, is this going to work? And again, that's where that educational consent really became a big deal. And we sat down and we talked with him and we said, what do you want? Do you want a high school diploma? Is that important to you? Blake Bowles, who I mentioned before, has an incredibly has a couple of incredibly good books. One is called college without high school. Hmm. So he talks about different alternative paths where you don't have to have an, a high school diploma. That is a, that is actually a very common misconception about you won't be successful in life if you don't have a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And he has another book called why are you still sending your kids to school? Which also talks about some alternative paths. And he really has a, a lot of information about, debunking some of these myths or misconceptions. So anybody that's straddling this journey and wants to learn more, I highly recommend Blake Bowles. But that educational consent for high school became a big deal because I said to my son when we talked about it, and again with my daughter when she enrolled was, well, these are the course requirements. And now let's look at the course outline together. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about how are you willing to follow these guidelines. It's like if you're signing up for a class in college, you don't go into the class and tell the professor, well, I'm not going to do these things. You make that choice to sign up for the class and then you agree to what that class Mm -hmm. is covering. We approached it that way with our kids as they got older. Mm -hmm. And so now you're following through. Going back to your algebra question, my son had to take algebra Mm -hmm. and he had to pass algebra. He didn't have to get an A. Right. In algebra. And that is something I really, really encourage parents to think about is what is your value system Mm -hmm. and what emphasis do you put on grades in your family? Because in our family, the grade was secondary, Mm -hmm. right? And and we didn't overemphasize an A. There's a really, really great article, and I wish I could find it if I if I do, I'll share it with you, called Let's Hear It for the C. Hmm. Right. There's this kind of idea again, which is, I think, a big myth is that we haven't learned anything unless we earned an A in the class mm-hmm. or that we're not good unless we earned an A in the class. So, yeah, you had to do algebra and and we had to do it. We had to learn enough to to get through it because mm-hmm. it, maybe it's not your strength, because, again, you chose the high school diploma and that's a requirement of that. But my son graduated with his high school diploma and has a, had a C in algebra. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we could sit here and talk about this for a lot longer. And I know I have lots of questions still, which um, is the point. We, we want to peak interest and we want to continue to be lifelong learners and model that to our kids. And I really appreciate you coming today and sharing rather vulnerably about your journey and about what your experience has been. And I've learned a lot from you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. 
Listeners, I know that I have felt a real sense of peace as I have listened to Carrie tell us about her journey through homeschooling with her kids. I also know that I've been challenged to think very intentionally about what is worth our time and effort as a family and what will help enrich and encourage my kids best. I hope that you have also found this story of one family's homeschool experience to be helpful and encouraging and a breath of fresh air. Carrie mentioned several books that she'd read that inspired her along her way, and those will be listed in our show notes. Before you go today, I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss when season three comes out early next spring, because this is the last episode of season two. I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed having you join me each week as we've talked about various issues and topics about homeschooling. So please don't forget to subscribe and drop a review down there and help other listeners find us more easily. I always love to hear from my listeners. I would love for you to email me at podcasts at sequoiagrove.org if there's anything you have been hoping to hear on these episodes and haven't yet let me know. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you would find helpful. If there's something that somebody said throughout one of these podcasts that has really been resonating with you and rolling around in your mind and you're thinking about it, or it's really helped change how you view homeschool and how you interact with your kids, please tell me. I would find that so encouraging to hear your story. And thanks again for joining us for this final episode of season two of the Sequoia Breeze podcast, a breath of fresh air for your homeschool. I am your host, Rebecca Lasavio, and I've been so happy to have you with us. <laughs>